We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search, match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying you heard about Indeed on this podcast. Indeed.com slash blue wire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. There. We'll start there with our week three observations. Let's just rip off the band-aid, as we like to say. And Unfortunately, we've been saying that a lot this year. Yeah, way uh, too between much. Between the two of us. Uh, and I'm still left to go. Um, but uh, the Jaguars, uh, let, let's. what happened, Nick? This was one of those games where you knew like three minutes in, like, oh boy, this isn't going to go well. Like something is wrong here. And, you know, I I foolishly talked myself into this being a get right game for the Jags offense. You know, I, I thought they they looked good for like half the game in week one against the Colts. You know, you'll chalk up week two to a really good Chiefs defense that once again looked great this past weekend. And you're thinking, okay, you know, all these, all these woes that they've had on third mm-hmm. down, all these red zone issues. You know, that's not going to be a problem. You're facing the Houston Texans. And, you know, the Texans were down four starting offensive linemen, including Larry right. Tunsil in this game. So you're thinking, you only start you know, five. Even... <laughs> exactly. Yeah. That's what most teams do. And, you know, you're thinking, okay, even if the Jags offense, you know, struggles a little bit here, you know, defensively, they should be able to run this game. And, man, it, it, everything that could have gone wrong went wrong for the Jags. They start by, by missing, you know, a makeable field goal, they get a field goal blocked. And, you know, Jeff, this was not one of those like, oh, it was just tipped and it, you know, it bounces short. Like it hit so hard off of Will, ha- Will Anderson's hand that the ball ends up rolling like 30 yards the other way. So not only was it a blocked field goal, but, you know, there's kind of a scrum for the ball. All of a sudden the Texans are set up in great position. They turn that into a touchdown. Uh, you know, Jacksonville just had nothing going whatsoever. Uh, you know, Calvin Ridley had a really, really rough day, dropped a touchdown, had another big drop late in the game. You know, I saw a stat, uh, you know, Nate Tice from, from The Athletic uh, put it out there that the Jags offense through three weeks has already lost 15 expected points because of drops. And that does not count any of the toe taps, like the, the balls that were caught and the feet weren't down, which they had like mm-hmm. five of those last week against Kansas City. These are just yep. straight up drops that have cost them two plus touchdowns through two weeks. So everything that could have went wrong, went wrong for the Jags. They are now 12 of 43 on third and fourth downs this season. Like their, their entire year, Jeff, so far, I've watched every snap that the Jaguars have played. It's just, it feels like it's just a series of like third and sixes over and over and over. Yeah, it does. And that's with Travis Etienne playing pretty well. He's playing really well. He yeah. is. That was that was the one advantage it felt like they had is they were running the ball well, but it, it, they kept getting caught in, you know, it wasn't even always third and long. You know, sometimes it was third and two, third and three. And some of the issues that have plagued them through the first two weeks of the season, kind of overthinking those plays, you know, you're throwing a quick pass to the left on third and two and your tight end catches it and gets hit immediately. And all of a sudden it's fourth and three and you're punting. Like I, it, we're not seeing that same level of aggression. We're not seeing the same level of confidence from this Jaguars team that they had toward the end of last season. You, you, you watch Doug Peterson's press conference after the game. He was literally lost for words. Like there, there was one answer where they, they they basically just asked him like, what happened? And it took him like seven seconds to even think of what to say. Like this team feels completely lost right now. And, you know, offensively, I, I still don't think this is Trevor Lawrence's fault. It certainly has not been great 
But the entire offense seems to be, okay, Trevor Lawrence, it's third down. We need you to force this ball into an extremely tight window. And we're asking receivers to make really difficult catches, right? I mean, Ridley had a couple of bad drops, but you're also asking these guys, you know, uh, on third down to make a catch over the middle, absorb a hit, hang on to the ball. You know, we saw Jamal Agnew fumble. He fumbles every week. It's just a matter of do the Jaguars, do they recover the fumble or not? This time they did not. That was a killer. (laughs) That was really the only time throughout the game where it felt like Jacksonville had any momentum. And then that fumble basically sapped it and this game was over. So yeah, disaster, disaster, disaster day for the Jaguars. I'm glad they're shipping out to Europe for a couple of weeks now. Uh, But you got to tip your cap on the other side to the Houston Texans. I mean, this team played really, really tough football the first two weeks. They didn't come out on the winning side of those games, but the signs were there and they they really broke through. And I couldn't really not be more impressed with CJ Stroud uh, and Tank Dowell, especially. Yeah, you know, in previous years, a successful survivor strategy is let's pick on the the perceived worst teams of the league, you know, dot, 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 profit. Well, guess what? Houston and Arizona wrecked a lot of people this weekend, and they played hard in two games. New coaches on both teams playing well, playing hard, and, you know, that said, you know, something that caught my eye, if you want to go down narrative street, Trevor Lawrence said something in the run-up to this week saying last week they had a bad week of practice leading up to the Chiefs game. Mm A- it's week two. How are you having a bad week of practice? B, it's against the Chiefs. How are you having a bad week of practice? That's wor- That's concerning to me. I mean, how the hell is that happen- even happening? That's a great question. It's a great question. And Jacksonville is relatively healthy. You know, they were without Zay Jones in this game, which I think actually hurt them a little yeah, bit more agreed. than you'd think. But, you know, it's not like, I mean, Houston's injury situation was way worse, right? You're talking about the offensive line specifically. And, uh, you know, CJ Stroud was under very little pressure the entire game, was not sacked one time. Uh, on the day, really wasn't even pressured all that much. You can find a, plenty of highlights of, of him just sitting back on on second and third down with all the time in the world to throw. Made some really great throws, especially the long ones to Tank Dell uh, in this game. But yeah, it was just a, it was a top down disaster from Jacksonville. So much so, Jeff, that I haven't even mentioned that a fullback returned a kickoff for a touchdown after fumbling it fullback. in the first place. Like, like they accomplished what they wanted to with that little pooch kick. I think the goal maybe is you you, you call fair catch. You know, the player kind of panics. They don't want to run with it. He fumbles it, picks it up. And, you know, it's essentially untouched. You got guys lunging all over the place. Once that happened, it was that and the Agnew fumble. Uh, once that happened, you know, there was still half a football to be played, but you just knew it wasn't going to be the Jags day. Every time I hear Agnew's name, I'm like, because I have other Jacksonville Jaguar fantasy interests. Yeah. That never helps me. And I understand last year he had some key contributions, but they have a better set of personnel now. They it's yep. it's not like two years ago when ETN was out for the season. Okay, fine. Use Agnew on this play. I don't really care. Now I care because he's taking away a rep from somebody that's good. Yeah, I I, I like him as a little gadgety guy. You know, he should have one or two touches a game. He's He was playing slot receiver in this game, right? I mean, that's not what you want. He, he's not somebody that has a long history of hanging onto the ball whatsoever. I think he's actually lost a fumble now in three of their last four games dating back to last season. And, you know, he, he's super explosive. And, you know, some of the other receivers they have aren't exactly home run hitter type. So I, I get why he's involved. But, yeah, I mean, the, the risk is just not worth the reward at this point when it comes to Jamal Agnew. But, I mean, that that's symbolic of what we're talking about here. Like, if, if it comes down to Jamal Agnew, that's a problem for Jacksonville. It's a poor man. He's a poor man's Taysom Hill in terms of fantasy annoyance. Uh, <laughs> just go away. Just stop. Uh, I don't know. Anyways. Yeah. All right. Grouch, scratch, grouch. All right. So there we, yeah, we, we, we got, we got to move on. We're going to, otherwise we're going to do like 15 minutes on this game. I, I need to cut myself. Wayland therapy be, here. Yeah. There'll uh, be plenty more talk on the radio show. Okay. So the other, okay. The next big survivor uh, destruction was the Baltimore Ravens losing at home to the Colts and a game where the Colts were the better team much of the game. I thought, I mean, the Ravens had like, they had a lead, 
they had the 19 to 16 lead late, but I mean, the Colts got off to them, um, you know, got off to a better start and, you know, Matt Gay may have had one of the better kicking days in the history of the NFL for 50 plus yarders, including the game winner. That's what it came down to, really. We saw Justin Tucker miss, I think, it was a 61-yarder. I mean, it was dead on and, and fell a couple feet short. Uh, he felt like that. You know, if that goes through, Baltimore uh, likely wins this game, of course. And, you know, once it went to overtime, you know, even Baltimore there, I, I felt like was in control. You know, they, they forced a three and out. They went three and out themselves. They got a big stop uh, on a fourth down play. And then you know, Lamar Jackson was brilliant, I, I thought, for, for much of this game, especially running the ball. This was one of his better efforts on the ground in a long time, 14 for 101, two touchdowns. But – there were just a weird miscommunications late in this game. I mean, Lamar was just not on the same page with, with say flowers, with Mark Andrews, with, with the running backs coming out of the backfield. Like he's just missing like two, three yard passes, you know, passes that if they're caught, there's room to run. And Baltimore's moving into easy field goal territory to win this game. There's a huge drop uh, on a third down by Isaiah likely as yeah. well. If he brings that in, uh, Baltimore in is, yeah, yeah. It, I mean, it, it was, a, it looked a little bit tougher. I think in real time, there were some defenders in the area, but it was a great throw by Lamar hit him right in the hands. If he catches that, you know, they're kicking a field goal. Justin Tucker's making it, and Baltimore wins this game in overtime. So, yeah, you, you got to tip your cap to Indianapolis. I mean, Zach Moss ripped off some big runs in this game. He goes 30 for 122. Coming into the day, the Colts had the worst rushing game in the entire NFL. Uh, so that was good to see from that perspective. You know, we, we talked last week about, you know, does Gardner Minshew give this team maybe a slightly higher floor right now than Anthony Richardson does? I, I still I still believe that. Obviously, Richardson's the future. He's a completely different quarterback from Minshew, but we, we saw a lot more confidence in this passing game. I mean, Anthony Richardson has not completed a pass of longer than 20 yards on the season. And the Colts had a few of those today, even if Minshew was under siege three sacks, by the way, for, for a defensive back, Kyle Hamilton uh, of the Baltimore Ravens. But th- this was a game that Baltimore should have won. Indianapolis played pretty well, you know, tough spot on the road, bad conditions, but I, I thought Baltimore just, just yeah, had too many misfires offensively late in this game. So honestly, three games in, I'm not seeing many changes in the Baltimore offense. Not really. Um, they're still struggling to do anything downfield. They've had a couple of deep balls to flowers. Flowers looks like he's got, he's got a lot of juice, uh, but the, it's just, it's all dump offs for the most part there. Right. It's, you know, and you know, I, I, I understand the conditions were horrible. Um, and you know, going into this game, there was a lot of suggestion. Okay. Downgrade p- players in this game. Well, first of all, Michael Pittman looked pretty good on the other side of the ball for the Colts. Uh, didn't affect them as much. Uh, and secondly, I mean, Mark Andrews was barely involved. And, you know, this is one of the first games I rewatched because I kind of was like, how the hell did this happen? Um, mm-hmm. And, you know, they, they they had a bad, bad fumble by Kenyon Drake. That hurt. But I the, the, I don't know. Is it all along we were blaming the offensive coordinator? Maybe it's the personnel. Maybe it's the players yeah. that, that, you know, that aren't, just aren't that great. Yeah, Lamar lost a fumble in this game, too. I mean, that was big, uh, you know, lo- losing yep. two possessions like that. And that's been something that's plagued them this season. Colts did not turn the ball over. Ultimately, I think you could claim that that was the difference in this game. But, yeah, you're right. I think we were excited about, you know, some of these playmakers uh, on, on the Ravens offense, maybe more so because the playmaking has just been so bad at receiver for the last few years that just having the name, uh, you know, Odell Beckham, who obviously did not play yesterday but just you, you like the names maybe more than the actual production maybe the, the way mm-hmm. that they actually fit the scheme um but it, i i don't really know that the conditions affected the way baltimore played this game like it was sloppy guys were slipping all over the place but the rain the rain did dissipate as the day went along lamar threw the ball 30 plus times it just you know for what's supposed to be this like wide open air raid system like you said it, it, it did feel like when you know when it came down to it they started to revert back to some of their old tendencies yeah they did um colts uh you know zach moss he, he's like 
Every, he, he made a sweet catch on a wheel route for a touchdown. We never knew him as a big pass catcher in Not Buffalo. Um, that was that was a hell. That was a big play in this game. Um, mm-hmm. and not a lot of backs can make that catch, especially ones that are supposedly plotters mm-hmm. like Zach Moss theoretically was. Yep. He looks like he looks good. He looks healthy. Um, and yeah, Taylor is a different level, but they're not missing really Taylor that badly. That's not their. They no. have issues. It's not the lack of Taylor. No, not at all. And I, I think it, you're pretty encouraged with the first three weeks of Shane Steichen's regime here in, in Indianapolis. I mean, mm-hmm. it, tough spot against Jacksonville in week one. Uh, you know, that loss maybe looks worse now than it did at the time. But I, I think given the personnel, given the issues with Jonathan Taylor, given your owner, like this team seems to be moving in the right direction for not having a ton of big time playmakers for having to start your backup quarterback for the last week and a half. Um, yeah, I, I've been really, really encouraged by what Shane Steichen's been able to, to, to design up for this offense. So uh, Colts certainly come away as a big winner this week. Zach Moss comes away a big winner. Second week in a row where he has just owned the snaps offensively. I mean, it wasn't quite as stark as last week where he played like 98% of the snaps, but 64 snaps for Zach Moss, just 18 uh, for Trey Sermon, who was basically called up from AAA to be the backup running back. And Trey Sermon had a bad drop uh, at one point there, too. It's yeah. like, yeah, he, the reason why he's been cut by two different teams that are good yeah. teams. Uh, but it just shows that they, they found him preferable to Deion Jackson, who has yeah. been waived by the Colts. Um, the third survivor game uh, was the Cowboys going on the road as a 12 and a half point favorite in Arizona and losing and losing the whole way through. You know, giving up 200 rushing yards in the mm-hmm. first half, almost 200 rushing yards in the first half. Uh, they were physically dominated in this game. They really were. And, you know, Dallas and Jacksonville, those were the two big misses for me this week in a week that had a ton of carnage. You know, I felt I felt a little bit better reading, you know, Liss's newsletter this morning and seeing that he basically went through the exact same car crash that I did uh, yesterday afternoon. But I, I, you know, I was of the belief and, you know, John and I were on the phone for like an hour talking about our circuit picks last week. And we went back and forth on this game and we, we came to the conclusion that, Arizona's not doing this again. You know, they've, they've kind of snuck up on two teams the last two weeks. Dallas is going to be well aware. They're going to take this team seriously. They're not going to let them get off to this great start uh, like Arizona has the previous two weeks. And the exact opposite played out, right? I mean, they drive right down the field for a field goal. Uh, they get a touchdown on the second drive. All of a sudden, it's 9-0. to zero, And Dallas is just backpedaling this entire game. It, it, it was strange to watch for how dominant Dallas has been the last two weeks. I mean, you got you to hand it to Josh Dobbs, who has, by the way, the exact same number of fantasy points as Trevor Lawrence through three weeks, you know, getting it done through the air and uh, as a runner, you know, had a 44 yard scamper that set up a touchdown for the Cardinals in the first half. Uh, you just look up and down the weapons for this team and it just, it doesn't make sense, right? You know, I mean, it's Michael Wilson, Keontae Ingram, you know, Trey McBride is, is, you know, kind of encroaching on Zach Ertz at tight end. Uh, you know, James Conner was really good for them. You know, Arizona had a ton of success running the ball, especially off tackle against the Dallas defense. That was not expected. Uh, we saw some regression from Dak Prescott as well. A couple of really bad throws from him as Dallas was trying to mount that late comeback. I sure was. Sorry. Yes. All right. Oh, uh, I had this awesome trenchant point about the Cowboys <laughs> dealing with all their injuries. And I saw you look, have this quizzical look sure. on your face too. It's kind of yeah, funny. I'm, I'm trying to make the, yeah. I think you're muted uh, look, but yeah, if, if, if you want to yeah. resummarize that, it, it, sound, it looked like it was a great point. I was trying to okay, read your list. So it was a trap game for the Cowboys in a lot of different ways. One, they, you know, a lot of talk about best team in football, blah, blah, blah. Uh, they're facing the doormat Cardinals. They had, the Diggs injury was just a terrible amount of timing on that. And just devastating injury. No missing two starting offense alignment. That was that was brutal too. Mm-hmm. Um, all these things kind of added up. They looking ahead to a big matchup against the Niners. All that the NFL just as a quick reminder that hey, everybody gets paid on Sundays. These are all the top 
college level players in the begin begin with. Yes, they may be young, they may be returning, but they're also hungry and they got a new head coach. Get them playing hard, and the Cardinals have played hard the week before. They should have beaten the Giants. They yep. could have beaten the Commanders on the road. Um, in fact, there are you know you started off Commanders Giants in your survivor pool. Uh, you're like, oh my gosh, I, yeah, I, I thank well, God I don't have to use those teams again. But you know, and then of course the Cowboys, the team that everyone was touting as the best team in the NFL, they lose and they lose comfortably. Yeah, well, full disclosure, I did use the Jaguars in Survivor this week, so oh, we're, no. we're out there. Uh, at least, you know, I, I'm just playing in a casual Survivor League. I'm not in Circa like you, and I, I know you made it through with the Chiefs, so congratulations on that one. But, yeah, like I said, I, I just I didn't think Dallas would get tripped up like this. I didn't think they would be caught off guard. I didn't think they'd be playing from behind. I, I guess based on what we've seen from Arizona the previous two weeks, maybe it shouldn't be surprising that they were able to hang around, but I, they controlled this game from start to finish. Like you yeah. said, I mean, they were, they, they never trailed at any point. Uh, and that to me is what's surprising. You know, it, it's not shocking. I, I suppose that this was a close game. It's, it's on the road. Uh, I, I just, I, I thought Dallas would, I expected better, I guess, out of Dallas, not, uh, you know, taking this opponent, uh, you know, more seriously or, or less seriously than they should have. And to me, that's clearly what happened. I mean, you, you can still look at the talent discrepancy here and there's no reason that the Dallas Cowboys should lose this game by two scores, but they just, like I said, they were backpedaling. They got, they kind of got knocked off their spot early in the game. And, and you could tell that, you know, for a team that has done nothing but play from ahead with comfortable leads the first two weeks, you know, this was kind of their, their first real sign of, of any adversity early in the season. And you don't love the way they responded. It's the first time Mike McCarthy, the play caller got tested too. I mean, let's yeah. face it. I mean, they had comfortable wins over the Jets and, the, and especially over the Giants. The Giants game, they didn't need the offense at all. Um, so we were like, we dismissed the low numbers. Uh, like, uh, they didn't need them. It's fine. Um, it's a lot different now. Um, you know, that, hey, they actually needed them to step up and couldn't. Uh, like I said, those, those five trips to the red zone, six points. And that's mm -hmm. just, that's that's hard to, hard to get done, uh, worked on that way. So um, we are on the Blue Wire Network. Here are their ads. Thank you for your indulgence. Uh, let's keep rolling, uh, reviewing the games. Cleveland just utterly destroyed the Titans. Mm -hmm. uh, you know, 27 to three doesn't do it justice. Titans didn't get a first down until they were like 10 minutes in the second quarter. Um, that's how much of uh, a, a smash this game was. I'm not so convinced that the Cleveland offense is completely firing all cylinders, but it could have been worse. The refs don't blow that call in the Amari Cooper play where it was nowhere close to being out of bounds and they blew the whistle anyhow. Um, this yeah. could, game could have even been worse. Uh, the Titans one score came after a, a fumble from Elijah Moore um, where it, it was kicked like 10 yards down the field too. So they kind of similar to the Jags yeah. blocked field goal that gave them the field position to make their one field goal. Other than that, they had one drive at the end of the second quarter, right before halftime where they came away with no points when they added all the way down to the 11. Yeah. Other than that, I mean, they could do nothing all day. This Rotowire podcast is brought to you by my favorite meal kit factor. I gave Factor a try, and I can tell you firsthand, eating better is easy with Factor's delicious, ready-to-eat meals. Every meal arrives fresh, not frozen, and they're chef-crafted, dietitian approved and ready to go in just two minutes. Every week, you'll have over 35 different options to choose from, and there's something for every diet, including Calorie Smart, Protein Plus, and Keto, and there are more than 60 add-ons to help you stay fueled up and feeling good all day long. So what are you waiting for? Get started today and get after those wellness goals. One of my favorite things about Factor, it's the convenience. We're talking meals that are good to go in two minutes or less. You can fuel up fast with Factor's restaurant-quality meals that are ready to heat and eat wherever you are. There's no prep, there's no mess, no cooking, no cleanup, none of that. 
It's perfect if you have a busy lifestyle and you can't dedicate an hour plus each day to preparing lunch or preparing dinner. Factor is the perfect solution if you're looking for fast, premium options with no cooking required. Factor also offers options for every meal. Pancakes, smoothies, you name it. Discover a wide variety of easy options for the entire day, like breakfast, midday bites, dinner, whatever you need, Factor has it. Factor is also tailored to your schedule, so you can get as much or as little as you need by choosing your meals each week. Plus, you could pause or reschedule your deliveries anytime. We've done the math. We've run the numbers over here. Factor is less expensive than takeout, and every meal is dietitian approved to be both nutritious and delicious. Head over to factormeals.com slash rotowire50 and use the code rotowire50. That'll get you 50% off your order. That's code rotowire50 at factormeals.com slash rotowire50 to get 50% off today. We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search, match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying you heard about Indeed on this podcast. Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. Without the ones like you who work tirelessly to keep things running, everything would suddenly stop. Hospitals, factories, schools, and power plants, they all depend on you. No matter the weather, emergency, or time of day, you're the ones who get it done. At Granger, we're here for you with professional-grade industrial supplies. Count on real-time product availability and fast delivery. Call, clickgranger.com or just stop by. Granger for the ones who get it done. Yeah, well, ironically, on their one scoring drive, they actually lost nine yards before kicking yep. a field goal. So it's not like they, they were getting yeah. anything going there after the fumble anyway. Uh, you mentioned that drive before the half. That was a big one. I mean, they, they should have at least gotten the field goal. Uh, Ryan Tannehill took a, a really bad sack. It was kind of blitzed, you know, just didn't, didn't have much of a chance. I believe it was Miles Garrett coming off the edge um, and, and taking him down. But, you know, they, the Titans were without a timeout at that point. You just you just cannot take a sack there. Yep. And, you know, they, they kind of knew, like they didn't even really make an effort to, to run the field goal unit out there. You saw Mike Vrabel just like walking to the locker room with six seconds on the clock because he knew there was no chance to even get up there. Uh, can't spike it. It was fourth down. So yeah, pretty disastrous first half uh, for the Tennessee Titans. I mean, I, I actually thought, you know, I've been pretty critical of Deshaun Watson. I don't think he's looked good really for his entire tenure with the Cleveland Browns. I thought this was far and away his best day yep. uh, as, as, as a member of the Cleveland Browns, far and away, 27 of 33, 289 and two touchdowns, you know, kind of had the Deshaun Watson swagger back a little bit. It wasn't a huge day for him on the ground like it was in week one, but I thought as a passer, this was really, really encouraging, taking advantage of, of a pretty banged up and just not all that talented Tennessee secondary. More than anything, though, I think this was this was a third straight reminder that this Cleveland defense is, is awesome. Oh. It's, it's a top three unit in the league, and it, it might not be number two or three. It made me feel a lot better about week one against my Bengals, that yeah. it wasn't just Burrow's shortcomings that this is just a nasty, nasty defense yeah. there. I made a point of picking him up ev everywhere I could after week one, because I think they're kind of a set and forget defense now. Um, yeah. 
maybe we'll see if they play like the 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 Bills or Chiefs at the peak of their powers. But yeah, they they get the 49ers in a couple of weeks. That'll be a good test. Uh, they're home yeah. for the Baltimore Ravens in week four. Yeah. Uh, and then they have a bye in week five. So that that is the negative fantasy wise is yeah. that you're not going to get them for a while. But man, uh, Tennessee. So a lot of talk about Kirk Cousins. We're going to get to the Vikings uh, Chargers in a second, but a lot of talk about maybe Kirk Cousins getting dealt because he's a free agent at the end of the year to the Jets uh, because they can't live on the Zach Wilson experience. But how about Ryan Tannehill possibly if they can figure out like the salary cap hit there so that yeah. the Jets, I mean, but the Jets taking on Tannehill, giving the Titans a little bit of salary cap relief, Titans moving on to the future with Will Levis. I mean, they are one overtime away from being 0-3 themselves, yeah. where the charging was fierce that day. Um, you know, that you know, other than that, I mean, they should be winless right now. And this is a team that a lot of people, you know, I think there there is a strong dis like I think people had some people are like, oh, they're screwed, and other people like you are like thinking they they still might win the South. They still might, by the way. That's the thing. That's yeah. why I, that's why I think they'd be hesitant to trade Ryan Tannehill because they're they're tied for the lead in the division right now. Uh, yeah, I guess that's true. The Colts only have no. The Colts have two wins. Colts are in first place. Oh my God, you're right. I I, I completely wiped that Colts Texans game out of my memory. All right. Yeah, well, either well, either way, I, I think if you're Tennessee, you're still looking at Jacksonville as that team that you're competing with, and I don't know. I mean, I, I think Tennessee is probably a better team than the Jags right now. Maybe they're both equally bad. I, yeah. I I just you know Tennessee to me like. I think that's kind of been the narrative that we've asked about them for the last couple of years is all right, this is kind of an obvious reset spot. You know, you, you have some assets, but you know, you, there's some key positions that you need to improve here to really be a contender. And they've been hesitant to do that. I think it makes sense. And I, I think if they continue to slide, if they're like one and five in a couple of weeks, then yeah, maybe, maybe you think about trading Ryan Tannehill. But I, I think as long as the Jags are looking as shaky as they are, like, I, I don't think you want to give up the dream of winning that division and making the playoffs this early. What a dream it can be. Yeah. Uh, I, we could win the division. Um, but Traylon Burks, is he a drop in a 12 team or three receivers in a flex? I mean, there's just seems Probably. like there's very little hope for this passing game right now. Yeah. He played 35 of 47 snaps yesterday, ran 23 routes, did get targeted six times, but caught only one of those for, I think five yards. So I, it's just, yeah, it hasn't been great. I mean, I, I'm certainly not starting him. You know, that, that's a, that's a completely different question. I mean, he did go four for 76, uh, against the Chargers uh, last week. So you, you have a, a bit of a differing sample there, but didn't do really anything against the Saints in week one. Uh, if there's somebody out there on the waiver wire that you're intrigued by, then yeah, absolutely. I, I don't think you're going to look back and necessarily regret dropping Traylon Burks. I, I think anytime Tennessee is playing like a top 10 defense, there's just no chance uh, that, that he's going to have himself a week. But um, you know, there, there still might be a, a handful of spots in there where, where you're okay with him. But if you're playing in like a, a home league and a shallower league, then yeah, I'd probably drop him. Yeah, on, on Cleveland, Kareem Hunt got some work in late, um, but Jerome Ford scored twice and, you know, persevered through a bad matchup. Mm -hmm. Now, he's still got another bad matchup against the Ravens this week, although Moss looked pretty good against the, the Ravens. Then there's the bye, then there's the Niners. So you're not going to really yeah. see him at the peak of his powers until like week seven. But still, yeah. he justified those big fab bits, that's for sure. Yeah, no question about it. Um, you know, I, I think it's still still good to see Kareem Hunt in the mix. You know, conversely, we didn't see Cam Akers at all for the Vikings. You know, is he still working his way back up to speed? Obviously, it's a, a different situation for Hunt coming back to a team uh, system that he's familiar with. But uh, yeah, I mean, I, obviously, we know Nick Chubb's not coming back, so I, I think we we're going to need a couple of more weeks to see how that workload ultimately settles. My guess is it, it becomes more of a 50-50 split uh, two three weeks from now. Yeah. Tangentially related to our, our Cleveland, Tennessee talk, Alex asked, just traded Mike Williams and Kareem Hunt for Josh Jacobs and JSN. 
I, I don't know if you knew about the Mike Williams news, yeah. but he is out for the season with a torn ACL. So yes, you won in a landslide. Um, but point is, is bringing up Kareem Hunt. Like, is he going to really cut into uh, for uh, Ford's workload? I think you'll see that he is going to cut into the receiving, but then again, Ford had the receiving touchdown. He looked good on that too. So maybe not as much as we were worried. I still think Ford is a feature back and I think he's a RB two for the foreseeable future. Yeah. We saw Ford on the field for most of the third down seven out of 10. Uh, They really only had like one goal line snap where they used a running back. Ford was in there for that as well. Uh, But again, I I don't know that we can look at this as a, a super representative sample considering Kareem Hunt joined the team like four days ago. Exactly. Exactly. If you're looking for a place to play head-to-head fantasy football games without the huge tournaments, salary caps, or complicated game types, then Rival Fantasy is where you want to play this NFL season. From a twist on a classic game with Fantasy Bingo, where players generate a lineup to complete achievements and get bingo, to head-to-head fantasy challenges where you'll pick which of two players will score more fantasy points, this is the best of fantasy sports. For the 2023 NFL season, Rival Fantasy is offering new users a $200 deposit match plus a $25 first play voucher. Rival Fantasy is so confident you'll love the experience. They're giving you money to play out of the gate. Experience the future of fantasy sports on Rival Fantasy and become a rival today. There was uh, no rivalry in the Denver-Miami game because it was such a landslide. My goodness. Uh, I, you know, every every pick, spread pick em contest is a 50-50 proposition in, in theory. Every game, at least, is. Uh, yeah. Certainly not the case in Denver-Miami. This was like Colorado School of Mines versus the Dolphins or, or the U or something like that. That's yeah. our level of mismatch. I've never seen a team score that easily that often. Me neither. Me neither. And there's a reason that we haven't seen you know score like this in 50 or 60 years. Uh, I mean, the Dolphins could have gotten to 80 plus points if they wanted to, Jeff. Uh, I mean, this was a complete beatdown from start to finish. Uh, I mean, the Dolphins were at... What, they were at 63 points with, I think, like nine minutes left in the fourth quarter. Uh, they were trying to like run out the clock, still added another touchdown after mm-hmm. that. Uh, ended up taking a knee on their final possession. You know, could have kicked a field goal for the record. Mike McDaniel said he didn't want to do that. Uh, I Look, if it were me, I would go for the record. No question about it. But I, I understand his logic there. Uh, this was unbelievable. And they, they didn't even have Jalen Waddle, right? Like that, yeah. I, I was going back and forth on this game. Thankfully, uh, you know, I made it my best bet in staff picks. We, we, did take, we did take the Dolphins in Circa, so it was nice to not have any game that went completely awry this week. But, you know, John and I went back and forth and we're like, this is just kind of a weird number. It feels like it should be a little higher. Like, is there something that they know about the Denver Broncos? Like, man, without Waddle, maybe it won't be the same. Like, one minute into this game, I completely forgot that Jalen Waddle was out. It, it did not matter whatsoever. Uh, I mean, we, we saw the, the artist formerly known as Robbie Anderson even step up with a long touchdown in this game. And if Tua right. started, I think, what, 16 of 16? passing uh you know they were pulling out every trick in the book the, the no look uh you know kind of shovel pass for a touchdown i mean this was this was unreal it, it was crazy to watch you know it, it really it felt like watching one of those like texas tech games during like the graham harrell michael crabtree days where it was just you know every three plays felt like it's going for a 60 yard touchdown and you know i don't i saw some tweets about oh miami is running up the score this is disrespectful it's like I don't think Miami ran up the score at all. I, I mean, you, you could maybe say the Robbie Anderson touchdown. You don't need to be whipping it deep at that point. But look, you know, you, you got your backups in the game. You, know, you pulled all your starters at the end of the third quarter. I, I don't. I, you still want to get reps for some of these backups. And so much of the damage came on the ground, right? Like weirdly, they put up seven or put up seventy points, and it was a good day for Tua, three hundred nine yards, four touchdowns. But it, you look at that, and it, it's almost somewhat of a disappointment for him fantasy wise because three hundred fifty yards and five of their ten touchdowns came on the ground between a chain and Mostert. 
So I was a, my freshman year at Northwestern, we were 0-11, 1989. We were yeah. historically bad. Michigan State beat us like 77-0 one time, and they had their four stringers in, and they were just yeah. running like trap plays up the middle. I mean, they were doing as basic as possible with their four stringers, but you still got to play, right? right. And the, the clock's still running. You got to play it out, and that's, well, that's be- this is essentially what that was. It's almost more disrespectful to me to like slide down at the 10 yard line with eight minutes on the clock. Right. I mean, right? It's, one, it's, one, it's one thing if you're doing this and there's like 30 seconds left and you're running hurry up to try to get another touchdown. But when there's eight, nine minutes left in the fourth quarter and you're trying to get reps for, for guys who might need to play real snaps for you later in the season, I, I, I didn't have a problem with anything Miami was doing. I think anybody who claims they were running up the score was just not, not watching this game all that closely. Uh, I, I did, did find a couple of interesting stats here uh, via, via PFF. Tua has the fastest time to throw of any quarterback in the NFL this season. That's not surprising. We know he's a quick throw guy. Mm-hmm. He's also averaging more completed air yards per attempt than any other quarterback, which yeah, is insane. This whole like he that, can't throw downfield thing has just been well, just slap silly. Just the calculation doesn't make sense. Like he's throwing it faster than anybody, and yet he's gaining more air yards per attempt than anybody. Like these receivers are, are getting out so quickly. You know, the, the scheming is just unbelievable. I mean, Mike McDaniel is on a completely different level right now as far as scheming guys open. We saw Tyreek Hill, you know, hit hit a big touchdown early in this game, just standing wide open in the middle of the field and able to run past everybody as only he can do. Uh, I mean, they use motion so creatively. Uh, they, they had a man in motion, Jeff, on 49 plays Sunday, and they scored seven touchdowns on those 49 plays. Well over 80% of their total offense came uh, when they had pre-stat motion. They averaged 11.3 yards per play when they had a man in motion. I mean, I, I think teams are going to start integrating this. They're going to start watching this a little bit more closely, try to copy what Mike McDaniel's doing, but they've, they've just built the perfect team. They've built the, the perfect team with the perfect quarterback, with the perfect coach. And I'll be very interested to see, you know, what they look like. They're playing the Buffalo Bills next week. That will certainly be a, a tougher challenge than the Denver Broncos. But man, this, this was wild. I, I think we do need to talk uh, A-Chain, which by the way, yes. I, I saw a tweet this morning. It is not A-Chain. He's clarified that he wants it to be pronounced A-Chan. A-Chan, okay. Devin A-Chan. So that's going to take a while, I think, to uh, to correct ourselves on that one. Yeah, absolutely. Um, and I can't say all aboard the A-Chain. I mean, I, yeah. I really wanted to be able to say that, but yeah. uh, I will not. I will not. Um, now I'm kind of looking at our uh, – yeah, and the official pronunciation guide that the NFL sent out, it was A-Chain, but, you know, he yeah. decided to change it to A-Chan. Well, he's, yeah. he's no longer just yeah. a I'm just grateful to be here type of rookie. He's now out – he's the genie out of the bottle. Um, and – Forget about Jeff. When's Jeff Wilson coming back? When, right. you know, Salvin Ahmed, you know, it's so funny. Salvin Ahmed actually looked good at times. It's just so funny that the, the, the Dolphins have loaded up on so much speed on this team. It's crazy. Moster looked amazing too, but HN, I mean, he's got to play every game now, right? He does, but it's, it's a unique situation because obviously, like you said, Jeff Wilson is on IR. He's coming back soon. Uh, Salvin Ahmed was not in this game. It's like, who's, who's to say that Salvin Ahmed wouldn't have done the same thing. Uh, that that oh, he could do that. did. Well, I mean, look, not not to the degree that Achan did, but you know, snaps wise, um, it, it's kind of the perfect storm, I think, where you're you're buying you're buying high on Achan. It's like he's not gonna he's not going to replicate this level of game again. But he was also so good and so dynamic and so fast that it's hard to imagine him not being a bigger part of this offense going forward. I'm sure you saw that stat going around that you know they they track ball, uh, ball carrier speed. Mm-hmm. The Dolphins have the top six ball carrier speeds in the NFL this season. Wow, Tyreek Hill. HN Hill, Mostert Hill, HN. That's crazy. That's crazy. And Waddles can fly too. That's the other right. thing. Yeah. Waddles not even involved in that, which is crazy. And he might be the fastest of all those guys in terms of straight line speed. So 
Yeah, I mean, there's really not a whole lot to say, uh, I think, about the Denver side of this game. I mean, just a, a obviously a, a bizarre script that you're, you're probably not going to see for another 50 years where you're down, you know, 40 points for, for most of the game. I mean, they they actually were hanging around, relatively speaking, early in this game. I mean, it was it was 14 to 7 early on. You know, Miami was blitzing them offensively right away. But but for the most part, Denver was was kind of keeping up. They were, they were moving the ball. They got a touchdown. They got a field goal on consecutive drives. Uh, you know, they even got a stop. They, they forced a fourth down stop, got the ball back, immediately lost yards and had to punt. Uh, and then from then on, you know, the, the route was 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 on. But, uh, you know, I, the Denver defense has just completely collapsed. I mean, this was a top five unit for most of last season. And I, I, don't, I don't really know what's changed year over year. Obviously, you got a new car, uh, new coordinator in there. You know, you traded Bradley Chubb midway through last season. But a really disappointing day, uh, to say the least, for for the tackling, for the secondary. I mean, just a top down disaster. Negative Mike asks uh HN question here. Drop Pacheco for uh HN. I Pacheco looked pretty good. And you know, that was a, a run script, of course, for the Chiefs, you know, yeah. being up like 41 nothing at one point. I I'm not I'm not giving up the ghost on Pacheco. You know how high I am on him. I think other people would say yes. I just I, I want to see, you know, one game with Jeff Wilson and or Salvin Ahmed back in the mix. Like H is going to be involved, no question about that. Uh, I, I just think it's it's easy to look and say, oh, 18 for 203 and two touchdowns. Like, how is this guy on the waiver wire? You got to remember just how unique of a game this was. I guess, I guess. But I mean, I feel like this is the, uh, a magnitude of the sample type of question here. Yeah. So I don't know. I guess I, I just feel like you, there's probably somebody else you could drop other than Pacheco. I, I certainly don't have an issue picking up A-Chan. It's yep. just I, I wouldn't want to cut bait on Pacheco. For, fair enough. Fair enough. Uh, so the Broncos couldn't overcome their injuries. However, the Packers could. It took them three and a half quarters to do so, but they were down. They were trailing 17, nothing. And Jordan love leads them back to a, a his, like a, a pretty amazing comeback in that saints game against the saints. Granted, they, they knocked out Derek Carr, which was a big play in that game, but still 18 points all in the fourth quarter, pretty huge comeback They're They're a drop Jair Alexander pick six from being undefeated right now. They are. They really are. They should be three and zero. Yeah, I think you look back to that Atlanta game, and it, it's it's really wild that they they blew a twelve point fourth quarter lead, but they made up for it this week. You know, those all eighteen of those points came in the final eleven minutes mm-hmm. of game time as well, and they started with a field goal. You know, it's not like they were just you know the offense kicked into gear. It's like it, it felt like just a huge victory to get any points on the board at that point. Even after they kicked the field goal, you didn't really expect that they would put together back to back touchdown drives. The offense just looked disjointed. It looked clunky. They couldn't run the ball whatsoever oh, through the again. first three quarters of this game. But to their credit, <laughs> they got away from A.J. Dillon, finally. I, I think it's it's time to drop him. If you can't produce in this situation in back-to-back weeks with no uh, with no Aaron Jones, I, I don't know what's left for you at this point. You know, We actually saw a decent amount of Patrick Taylor and Emmanuel Wilson uh, on the field for the Packers, especially in passing situations late in this game. You mentioned Jordan Love. He looks great, man. He, he looks really, really good. And you know, I, I, we're, we're not doing the, the Favre-Rogers thing yet I, I don't want to hear any of that but hmm. I, I think you also have to remember that you know when Aaron Rodgers stepped in he wasn't MVP you know four-time MVP Aaron Rodgers right away like the, the Packers went six and ten his first year there were plenty of ups and downs yep. and you know I, for someone like myself who I was open to any range of outcomes for Jordan Love you know you could have told me the Packers would be 0-3 and he looks like Zach Wilson uh, you could you could tell me they're two and one and he looks really good like he has I, I this is a, a best case start for, for Jordan Love. I, I think given how little we had seen of him, uh, the, the weird situations he was in when we did see him, uh, I mean, just the the poise, the, the the kind of collectedness of him, you know, that's that's what you hear all the players saying post-game. You know, it's it's not, you know, they're, they're not necessarily marveling at the throws they're making. They're marveling about, you know, how he commands this team, how he's never down, he's never too high. 
yeah, I, I think you have to be really, really encouraged if you're Green Bay. And you mentioned the injuries. I mean, Devondre Campbell exited this game early for Green Bay in the first half. You could argue at that point that they were down, what, six of their top eight or nine players on both sides of the ball? Yeah. Uh, you know, top two starting offensive linemen and Aaron Jones. Um, yeah, you could have easily packed this game in, especially against the Saints team that is pretty good. You know, pretty good team. Um, uh, uh, you know, at least stat line scouting the going from Carr to Winston didn't kill this team. Uh, that wasn't the issue. Um, uh, in fact, you know, yeah, they they didn't finish some drives, but yeah, I mean, the issue is the, the defense gets one stop there in the game, and they win. I mean, that that that's the really big, big issue there. Uh, okay. but uh, you know, looking at uh, you know a couple more things, I am done with AJ Dillon too. Uh, I moved him it's a over. little higher again in the rankings, and I'm just like, uh, no more, no more. He will not be in my top 35 next week. I even if Jones does not play, he will not be there. I I I can I can get away from that now. Yeah, it's over. It's over for him. I mean, there was another like super cut this morning of AJ Dillon just like wildly missing holes on what should have been, you know, four or five yard gains. He ends up Mm -hmm. getting stopped for a one or a two yard gain. It's just, I I don't know. It's it's the concept of like a running back being in a slump to me, like doesn't really add up. You know, you you think of a slump as like, oh, you know, a a great three point shooter just can't get anything to fall. And eventually it's going to come around. It's like with a running back, it feels like you either have that vision or you don't. And for whatever reason, AJ Dillon has just completely lost that. And I, I think once Aaron Jones is back, uh, he's going to fade even more. We should mention our, our guy groupie, Jeff, missed a 46-yard field goal with a minute 10 on the clock. The Saints put together a pretty decent drive, uh, got yep. down uh, deep into Green Bay territory. And, I mean, that's a that's a very makeable field goal. Uh, you know, who's to say Green Bay doesn't come down and, and answer with a touchdown of their own? But that's a lot to ask uh, with a minute 10 on the clock. So, uh, you know, that late missed field goal, I think, was ultimately the real difference between the Saints winning and losing this game. Especially when the era kickers that we're in right now. Um yeah. You know, it's that that that's a killer. And when they make this big thing to get rid of their longtime kicker, Will Lutz, and chose Groupie, I mean, that 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 that's just got to sting a little bit more. Uh, you see Matt Gay making four 50 yard field goals. You saw someone, you know, there was like I think there was someone made a 62 yarder yesterday. Um, Liz says it all the time. Uh, it's true. We're in a golden age of kicking right now. And when you've got cubic zirconia there, um, it, it, it's tough. So bad break. I mean, the Niners had, you know, Jake Moody made a 57 yarder on Thursday night. They spent a third round pick on him. The technology has improved. The technique has improved for you to have that. That shortcoming is a real yeah. killer. Uh, next week, we get uh, Alvin Kamara back for the Saints. Uh, so what do you expect out of this backfield with uh, Kamara, Miller and Jones at this point in time? I think you got to get Kamara up to speed as fast as you can, right? Um, yep. You know, Tony Jones looked fine the last two day, uh, last two games. Um, mm-hmm. You know, was used more as, more in the passing game uh, against Green Bay than he was last week, and obviously that was a, a difficult situation losing Jamal Williams midway through that game. I mean, the Saints just haven't really been able to get anything going on the ground. We'll see how much Alvin Kamara ultimately changes that. I, I think Tony Jones to me is probably the guy who loses most because. You know, this was Kendra Miller's NFL debut, and it was probably a bit of a soft launch. Only played 21 of 61 possible snaps, so I, I think it's mm-hmm. Kamara as the as the clear lead guy, and then Kendra Miller is probably who they want to get going as that number two. So if you, if you picked up Tony Jones, you didn't get uh, necessarily what you were you were hoping out of him uh, this week against Green Bay, especially because you know the Saints led this game throughout, right? Uh, you know, you, you kind of like the script as far as you know, uh, thinking Tony Jones is going to carry more than eight times for only 31 yards, but. Um, I think with Kamara back in the mix, you can't really waste any time here if you're in New Orleans. And uh, interesting matchup against the Tampa Bay Buccaneers, who we'll see tonight. 
Yeah, indeed. Uh, in fact, both teams have big uh, in-division matchups next week uh, that might be the, the, for the division a little bit there. The uh, Packers host the Lions next week, too. So oh, that's, uh, that's, on, that's on Thursday night as well. So big for the injury concerns for Green Bay. Huge. Massive. So huge that they snuck out that win, knowing that they might be uh, playing shorthanded against a division foe who has their own injuries uh, a little bit there. Then the Lions, they got by against Atlanta, more than got by. They dominated that game against Atlanta. They completely shut down Detroit, a defensive team all of a sudden, uh, just completely shutting down the Falcons. Although I think the Falcons shut down the Falcons still mm. too. But nonetheless, they come out of that game with uh, having to be pretty pleased, uh, really shutting down the, the Falcons. Couldn't the Falcons couldn't run the ball, which right. that's their if, if you can't run the ball in your Atlanta, you're in real trouble. Bijan held 10 for 33. Yeah, I think 10's a key number there, too. Like maybe I don't know, give them more carries. I don't know. They, they just didn't run that many plays, though, either. Yeah, well, yeah, which is a departure from what we've seen from Atlanta, where they just you know they've ruled that 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 split the last two weeks. You know, they I think they mm-hmm. had 30 33 more plays than Green Bay in week two and yeah, they got to 67, which is not a terrible number. Detroit was at 70. Uh, but if Atlanta's not winning that battle week to week, especially against a more talented team with a passing game like Detroit, you're going to be up against it. And, you know, we saw Desmond Ritter just, I, I thought he got exposed pretty badly. Um, yeah. You know, maybe he'd already been exposed. I, I don't know what people were expecting, but he looked, he looked rough in this game. Um, you know, I, th- I think you, you like the target numbers for Kyle Pitts. He was targeted nine times, caught five of those for 41 yards, but like the misses were, like borderline comical throws by Ritter. Like he just, he can't do anything down the field. Pitts had space a few times for what could have been big plays. And Ritter was just not even, not even remotely close to hitting him down, uh, down the field. So the Falcons, you know, I I think this game was actually a little bit closer than the final score would indicate Uh, that, you know, young way missed a field goal in this game, but uh, the Detroit defense to me, that was, that was the big, uh, the, the big surprise. Like I, I actually thought, you know, this could be a really close game. I, it was, it was kind of a 50, 50 for me. I went to Detroit in staff picks. I didn't feel good about it. I thought Atlanta would be catching them at a pretty good time here with some of those injuries for Detroit, but Amon Ross St. Brown, you know, played through his foot issue nine for one Oh two. He looked great. Sam Laporta looks fantastic. So far he goes eight for 84 and a touchdown. Uh, disappointing though, uh, to, 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 not, to not see more B. John Robinson in this game. Only caught four passes for 27 yards. Yeah. Both B. John and Gibbs. I thought, would get more targets. Uh, Gibbs only had two targets. He did have 17 carries. So maybe that was kind of like an adjustment that, okay, we're just not going to throw at the ball. Uh, only four pass catchers for the lions. Uh, now granted they had injuries. Um, and it's like, you know, and it looks like in the case of, uh, Reynolds, he may have been like active, but not really, um, that sort of situation there. Like he's out there mostly to be a decoy because, and, and Marvin Jones, he's no longer really part of the picture. Uh, I think that does illustrate that for Detroit, there is an opening for Jamison Williams when he comes back, uh, that they still need more help outside. No question about that. And I think Laporta stepping up has been huge. That's, that's kind of been a, that's been a safety blanket that we, we didn't know for sure would be there, but he's lived up to the hype so far. He looked fantastic. 11 targets uh, for Sam Laporta on Sunday. And you mentioned Josh Reynolds. I mean, he played 54 snaps, not a single target. Yeah, that's, that's telling. And he came in questionable. Um, and I, I think that had something to do with it there. Um, Detroit related question. We'll go ahead and take it now since it's kind of related to what we're talking about. Uh, Jonah asked, should I trade Amon Ra and Dalvin cook for ETN and, and Hopkins? If his running backs are Najee and Henry, uh, wide receivers are Jefferson and Godwin are his other two receivers. So you're downgrading a wide receiver. Um, you know, going from Amon Ra to Hopkins, 
And we talked about that Tennessee passing game, but you're getting ETN. I don't know. It's kind of interesting. I think that's a pretty fair trade. I, I, I'm on Ross St. Brown as the player I would want to roster most. And I typically don't want to give up the player that I like most in a trade. So I would, I would hold those two. I, I know, you know, Dalvin Cook in that Jets running game is just not really in a good spot right now. I, I think you could hope and pray that eventually they move away from Zach Wilson, make some sort of trade, and this offense comes back to life. Uh, at some point later in the season, I, I I definitely get, you know, staring at your running back depth chart, seeing Najee Harris and seeing Derrick Henry and not being oh. thrilled with that. But I just, I wouldn't want to part ways with St. Brown right now. Yeah, fair enough. Uh, I, I think I'm on your camp too. I, I tend to be more wide receiver centric anyhow. And yeah. just try because you're going to find like Jerome Ford, the next Jerome Ford on the waiver wire, more likely than you are to find the next good productive wide receiver. Uh, Puka Nakua has already walked through that door. You're not going to get right. the next one, I don't think. Uh, I also think we can all agree that fantasy sports are awesome. So is daily fantasy and sports betting. That's why we have so many freaking accounts. What's not awesome is going to a bunch of different apps to find the best odds and manage all of your fantasy lineups. Enter Better Vision. That's B-E-T-T-O-R Vision. Better Vision is the only app that syncs all your fantasy, DFS, and sportsbook accounts in one place. We only show you the best odds for every bet, so you'll always get the best value. And our dashboard is only one stop is the only one-stop shop to track all of your fancy matchups, DFS picks, and bets. Visit bettervision.us to download Better Vision today. So we talked about the Packers, we talked about the Lions. Let's talk about the other two teams in the division, starting with the Vikings. Go, falling to 0-3, uh, thrilling game against the Chargers, came in, coming up just short at the end. Yeah, this is exactly the result you wanted if you're the New York Jets. I'll tell you that. You want this Minnesota yep. Vikings team to keep stacking losses. They are at Carolina next week, so that should be a winnable game. They get the Chiefs after that. Uh, could very easily uh, be a 1-4 and four start. Uh, 49ers still looming on that schedule uh, later in October as well. Uh, this game completely lived up to the hype, right? I think this mm -hmm. played out exactly like you would expect a Vikings-Chargers game to play out in the year 2023. The Chargers should not have won this game. Uh, I'll say that. I mean, Minnesota had it down, you know, inside the 10-yard line with under a minute left. Uh, just, you know, had a, a ball kind of ricochet off a receiver. Ends up being tipped up in the air, caught for an interception in the end zone. You know, we saw Minnesota kind of scrambled late in this game, right? Like, they, they hit a completion. I believe it was to Justin Jefferson uh, to extend their drive. And they, they're, you know, everybody's kind of looking around. Nobody knows what to do. They didn't have a timeout. Um, but, you know, they, they let a ton of time kind of run off the clock and then felt like they were rushed into that final play. And you, yep. you kind of see it. It was just chaos from the start resulting in that turnover. Uh, you know, what everybody's going to be talking about here is that, that call by the chargers to go for it fourth and one on their own 24 with a minute 51 left. And it feels like the chargers are in this situation like every single week. And sometimes they go for it. Sometimes they don't. They decided to run it up the middle, got stuffed. Everybody piles on Brandon Staley. They end up winning the game and they're very lucky they did because I think that the, the vitriol directed towards Staley would be a lot worse had they not come out on the winning end. With that said, the win probability metrics, Jeff, say that that was the right call. I understand the math. I I, I think I still would have kicked there. So I I understand the math and the decision to go for it. I don't agree with the play call. Sure. You have Justin Herbert, who was forty for forty-seven in this game for four hundred five yards. Career. He was unbelievable. He is awesome. He is their best player. Joshua Kelly was eleven for twelve carrying the ball. Got to ride the hot hands. Just because you need at least one yard doesn't mean you can only you only need to go for one yard. Why not put the put the game in the hands of your best players? It doesn't matter if the clock stops after that play. I mean, 
as long as you get the first down, that's your probability of going from with Herbert to Allen is a lot better than running it into the stacked formation mm. with a, a running game that has been unsuccessful all the game. I mean, if it's Eckler, that's one thing. And, you know, I lost a lot on fantasy with Kelly this week. I had him active in some places. I used him in DFS. I'm like, oh, yeah, I love this matchup. Look what the Eagles did to that Vikings run defense. Oh, that was it was a total failure. Kelly was a disaster. Why go there at the end? That's my only complaint. The rest of the the rest yeah. of the thing, everything else, fine. I, I totally agree with the decision to go for it. I, I agree the win probability is there. Like, stop doing the thing that's not your strength. And they, just because it's uh, you need one yard doesn't mean you only have to get one yard. Yeah, I, I get, you know, not trusting your defense there. You know, Minnesota had put together you know, a couple of touchdown drives in the second half. You, you didn't you just didn't want to be in that situation, but you're you, you are up four. So it's it's not like a field goal burns you there. So that to me would have swayed me toward the punt. But, and that's fine, um, too. But I I. I I, I get that. Um, I, I think that's a better. I, I just think running it into the pile was like the worst of all the options yeah. that you had. Yeah, yeah, no question about that. Especially in retrospect, and especially with how you were running the ball in this game against what was like the worst run defense in the league coming into this. You know that yeah. that's what's crazy about it is that you know we we saw this Chargers team just pile up yards on Miami in Week One, and now they've kind of reverted back to the Chargers of old, just having to rely so heavily on the pass these last two weeks. Speaking of which, Keenan Allen. He had more fantasy points in this game than CeeDee Lamb has had the entire season. Just a monster, monster day for Keenan yeah. Allen. He's now the wide receiver one in most PPR formats. 18 catches, 215 yards. Somehow didn't even get in the end zone, but caught 18 of his 20 targets. Uh, we have kind of buried what's a pretty huge lead here for fantasy purposes. Mike Williams yeah. was off to a great start in this game. You know, caught a, they had ran a trick play, you know, kind of a double pass. Keenan Allen found him wide open for a long touchdown. 49 he finished, yards. Yep. He finished seven for 121 in that score. Uh, and then ended up tearing his ACL in the second half. So, you know, the, the Chargers win this battle, but uh, may have lost the war here in terms of losing Mike Williams for the year. Oh, absolutely. Torn ACL, brutal, brutal injury. Joshua Palmer's next man up. He got seven, uh, tar- got seven targets, caught that one touchdown, which was a bit of a fluke. You know, that was <laughs> the one, one that that was the one blemish uh, Herbert got away with. Uh, yeah. is, you know, he, he, that should have been a pick, not a touchdown instead. Oh yeah. Uh, you know, Quentin Johnston is going to be forced into this action now. They, yeah. he, he's been clearly the fourth best option that, you know, among the wide receivers, Everett's getting more targets too, mm-hmm. but now they got to take the training wheels off. He only ran, played 16 snaps, only ran 13 routes, two for 10, but they got to start using him a little bit more now. And we, we saw in the preseason, he struggled with catching yeah. the ball and all that running the right routes and all that. It's time to grow up for him. He's got to have to st- start stepping in mm-hmm. right away. Yeah, I, I think, you know, based on what we saw today, I I still think I would prioritize Josh Palmer over Quentin Johnson on the waiver wire, but I'm looking into both of those guys. Uh, you know, I, I don't think this is yeah. going to be a, it's not going to be a feeding frenzy type of week on the wire like it was last week with all no, the injuries. I guess, I guess we'll see what happens tonight because so many of those injuries felt like they happened on Monday night a week ago. But, uh, you know, there's, there's not going to be like five or six super obvious guys this week. Uh, so you're going to have to pay up, I think, for Josh Palmer, especially because, you know, this Chargers team is not just going to give up. Like, they're going to press on, and they're still going to be throwing the ball 45 times a game, and there's production to be had here. So, yeah, I think both Palmer and Johnston make a lot of sense. You know, we, we saw Johnston only play 16 snaps in this game. He was kind of splitting time with Darius Davis uh, as their third receiver once Mike Williams went out of the game. But, mm-hmm. uh, you know, I, I think this is kind of going to be the script for the Chargers. They, they would like to have more balance, but I just don't think they're capable of that right now. And, and once Eckler comes back, that'll give them a better shot. They actually have a really good matchup 
next week against the Las Vegas Raiders. So I think if you pick up Johnson or you pick up Palmer, you're, you're pretty comfortable starting them in that matchup compared to their next two, which come against the Cowboys and the Chiefs. So uh, something to consider there with the schedule. Yeah, for sure. Uh, pretty much a must win next week for the Raiders. I mean, for the uh, Chargers against the Raiders. It's for the Raiders too, but, you know, screw yeah. them. Um, but, uh, you know, for, screw the Chargers too, perhaps. Who knows? Uh, but uh, in, in Survivor, I know it's, they've screwed us many a time. Uh, Vikings, uh, they're 0-3 now. Uh, they did establish Madison a lot, 20 carries, 7 targets. He caught five balls, but he also had one hideous drop on a drive. Oh, Just man. horrendous drop. Uh, and I think uh, they had to settle for a field goal in the red zone and that, that drive. Yeah. Uh, yeah. It just, you, it was, it was horrible. Nobody around him. Uh, just, just awful stuff, but I'm not, I don't view cam Akers as a threat, even when Akers is active. Um, you know, they just acquired him in the middle of the week. I don't see Akers really being a threat to Madison. So in terms of Madison being a volume play, I, he's kind of back on in, yeah. in my mind. Um, Justin Jefferson off to an incredible start to the season. Seven for one forty nine. Finally got in the end zone this time. Cousins, another 300 yard game, 367, one pick. I mean, he's not their problem. Oh, no, no, no. They have a tragic defense, though. Um, this is the ticket to the carnival team. Um, this is every week we're gonna be that yeah. way. I think they're they're this year's Lions. No question about it. At least that's been the case through three weeks. I mean, Kirk Cousins is the number one quarterback in fantasy. I think that says all you need to know. Yep. Yep. Um, so yeah. Uh, and I don't think he can be that with the jets, by the way, if he does get traded to the jets, cause I think there's other issues surrounding that franchise. I mean, I, you know, I, I, outside of Garrett Wilson, I, I think that receiving core is pretty awful. I mean, it was tailored to Rogers, but, uh, I think the offensive line is really bad in New York. We'll get to that. In fact, let's, let's talk about that game. Uh, we have to rip. This is one where, uh, we're required yeah. to go, go over every game. So let's let's go over New England and Jets here because this was this was an ugly game. The people that scored were, you know, don't help us. I mean, it was yeah. one of those like, ah, uh, you look at, uh, you know, you know, taking someone beautiful and ruining them like Brees Hall. I mean, it's just it's frustrating just even looking at this game. Yeah, we'll have to see if we could do this one in like, you know, 40 seconds because there's just not not a lot to say. I mean, we, we, we just mentioned that Vikings Chargers played out exactly like a Vikings Chargers game should. This was exactly like you expected, right? 25 total points. You know, it came down to the Jets having like try after try at the end and just couldn't get anything going. Mm -hmm. If you look at the drive charts in the second half, you know, New England comes out of halftime, they get a field goal, and then it was punt, 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 punt. You know, it, that's, <laughs> that's exactly how the game went. Like if you were watching Red Zone <clears throat> on your second TV yesterday, you didn't notice a lot of this game. There wasn't a whole lot going on. Uh, you know, New England, I thought, actually controlled the game more than the final score would indicate. I mean, in terms of yardage, 358 for New England, just 171 for the New York Jets. That is 2.8 yards per play for New York. Uh, oh. you know, I think we knew they wouldn't be able to run the ball. They, To their credit, they tried, right? We, we talked about that on the radio. It's like, you, you got to at least give Brees Hall a chance to break one like he did in week one against Buffalo. He carried 12 times. He got 18 yards. You know, just nothing going on the ground. We, we saw towards the end of the game, you know, the cameras you know, picked up Garrett Wilson, you know, saying something about Zach Wilson just not being able to make throws. Uh, there were some other Jets players who were pretty critical uh, pretty frustrated in the media after the game as well. So you, you can kind of sense that whatever good vibes were were salvaged in week one by winning that game against Buffalo. I, I think the way these last two weeks have gone are about what you'd expect. And now if you're the Jets, you got the Chiefs this coming week. That's Sunday night football. Uh, you do get the Broncos in two weeks. That's a winnable game. But then after that, it's the Eagles. So um, it, at some point, you know, a change has to come here. I, I just, I don't know how you could continue to go forth 
with Zach Wilson as your starting quarterback. If your goal is to still make the playoffs and if Aaron Rodgers is claiming that he thinks he could come back in like three months, which would be completely unprecedented. And I don't think it's going to happen, but if that ghost is out there of, uh, you know, if, if we could just get to nine wins and maybe Rodgers comes back, you're not getting the nine wins with Zach Wilson. They're not getting the nine wins. That's the, that's the one fly in the ointment in the whole trade for cousins talk is those jets are there. They're hosting the chiefs this week. I yeah. mean, they're going to be one and three. Uh, probably, although the Cowboys have proven that anything can happen. Um, I mean, remember the chiefs lost to the Colts last year, you know, things can happen. Um, but still it's, yeah, it's, I I think that's like the one like thing that it's like all that talk about the bears trying to trade for T Higgins last year. Like who we crap in here, you know, the bears are, you know, cause the Bengals got off to an O and two start. I think, uh, that, that might've been one of the things, but come on. Um, I think the jets are in that boat. I just think they're not, I mean, I just don't think they're that good. They have a great defense. That's great. Everybody solemnly invokes that. And I agree. It's true, but the offense is just, I think even with the average quarterback, this is a bad, bad offense. Still. I think the offensive line's bad. I think they have one good receiver. They don't, you know, I'm unimpressed. Yeah. Same here. I don't think there's a whole lot else to say. Um, you know, on the new England side, Mac Jones looked bad. Uh, you could chalk up to a, to a Jets defense that's also very good. You know, we get that. Uh, was not sacked in this game. So the Pats offensive line that, uh, you know, had been the, the source of some consternation the last two weeks looked a little bit better. Really no takeaways from the passing game at all. Uh, Farrell Brown was the, the recipient of a touchdown, uh, a long one, in fact. But Ezekiel Elliott, 16 carries for 80 yards. Uh, Ramondre Stevenson just was being pounded over and over in this game. He goes 19 for 59. Uh, and that's what it felt like watching this game. It was just, you know, three yards of the cloud of dust for the Pats offense. Yeah. The the era of good feelings with Hunter Henry ended, especially seeing Pharaoh Brown get the touchdown. I'm like, really? Okay. Yeah. Fine. Sure. Fine. Sure. Sure. And let, okay. We've said enough about this game. Yeah, let's I, I got nothing else to say. We, we don't need to belabor this. Yeah. Uh, agreed. All right. Let's talk about uh, Buffalo, Washington. Let's get that. Let's. let's Get this one over with. Okay, this was my big whiff and staff picks. I thought the Commanders uh, were yep. a sneaky pick uh, against the spread, six and a half. Oh, Buffalo's too big of a favorite on the road. They look vulnerable a little bit. Uh, no, they don't. Um, what a horrible, awful, no good day for Sam Howell. I actually used him in one league where my quarterbacks are Joe Burrow and Anthony Richardson, so I just picked up Howell for a stream. I chose poorly. Awful, no good, terrible day oh, yeah. for Sam Howell. Nine yeah. sacks, four INTs. Uh, yeah, I mean, part of it was how, part of it was just the Bills defense reminding us that, you know, when they they have a matchup against an inexperienced quarterback, they're going to take advantage. Uh, you know, if you started the Bills defense this week, you're feeling pretty good about it. That was one of the top scores uh, of mm-hmm. the entire week at any position, which is saying a lot because we had some big performances. Uh, I, I was with you. I, I was on the, the commanders to cover. I think it was six and a half as well. Uh, four out of five pickers and staff picks were on this one. And we actually took this in Circa. And it, it, it also says a lot, Jeff, that this is like the game that I feel the third worst about uh, because I, I actually thought the commanders, you know, in the second half, it got completely out of hand. They were just ran out of town. No question about it. Uh, but this was a, a much closer game early on. Uh, yep. you know, the, the commanders had a pick on their first uh, first possession. They were you know in Buffalo territory, in field goal range at that point. You know, they got it down basically to the goal line on their next possession, opted to go for it on fourth and goal, did not make it. Uh, so they, you know, they left six to to nine points on the board right there uh, through a pick on the next possession. And then, you know, at that point, the route was on, but they, they were consistently able to get it deep into Buffalo territory. They just could not finish drives. 
Yeah, I mean, if if they that fourth down where they went for it and didn't make it uh, in the first half, yeah. they score on that that drive. I mean, it's a, it's probably a different a different game entirely there. Yeah, I felt the same way. Um, you know, it, it, obviously, as this game progressed, you just you knew that the the Commanders plus six and a half was cooked. You know, they they just kept turning the ball over in the second half, and and this one got out of hand. But yeah, first half, I mean, it was you know at, at halftime it was Bills sixteen, Washington nothing. I felt like it probably should have been 16-10, maybe 16-6. And then I think you're operating a lot differently in the second half if you're Washington. Yep, yep. At third and goal from the Buffalo one, Brian Robinson gets stuffed. Uh, and then fourth and two, they had the incomplete pass over the middle where I think you know, Hal was under duress, which is kind of a theme <laughs> for this, this game here. So going forward, the commanders, they're two and one. They're not a doormat, but they look like one. And they go to the Eagles next mm-hmm. week. Yeah, I'm very interested to see what the Eagles look like tonight. I think we'll have a better feel on that game after we see how they perform against Tampa Bay. Uh, but it, it's an interesting two and one for the Commanders, right? I mean, you get housed by the Bills. You you know, come from behind to squeak out a win against the Cardinals, and you come from behind to squeak out a win against the Broncos, who look like maybe the worst team in the NFL right now. So I, I think the jury is still very much out on whether the Commanders are a team that you actually have to worry about week to week. Yeah. Um kind of and, and yeah just the squeaking by the commanders i mean i mean by the cardinals they they probably arguably should have lost that game yeah. but oh, uh yeah. anyhow um okay let's got a couple more afternoon games but before we do that let's hit up our our last read football is back kick off the nfl season with vivid seats and score tickets to all the hottest matchups and biggest games of the year catch every pass every tackle and every heart pounding play of your favorite team live and in person and with Vivid Seats Rewards, now you earn rewards with every single purchase. Each ticket you buy gets you closer to your reward. Just buy 10 tickets and simply cash in your credit toward your 11th ticket purchase. It's that easy. Plus, Vivid Seats is offering you $20 off your first $200 ticket purchase with code ROTOWIRE. That's code R-O-T-O-W-I-R-E. From the 50-yard line to the upper deck, Vivid Seats has great tickets for all the 2023 games that matter to you. Just visit vividseats.com or download the app today. All right, here with Nick Whalen. Let's let's hit up uh Seattle, Carolina for about uh the first 25 minutes. It looked like Carolina picking Carolina was the right side in mm-hmm. terms of against the spread. And the, the the survivor possibility upset was pretty ripe there. And that was another heavily picked team. Yeah. Uh that, that was another situation there where we could have been thinking that. Oh, we might have some more uh, damage here. And then Carolina began the cavalcade of false starts. Seattle got rolling offensively. Um, it, it turned into a kind of a, a big, mm-hmm. big shift in momentum. And Seattle <clears throat> won comfortably in the second half. Cavalcade might even be selling it short. Eight false starts yep. for the Carolina Panthers in this game. Eight false starts. I don't know what the NFL record is. I would imagine that has to be close. I think they had 11 total penalties. Or no, 13 total penalties, excuse me, for 82 yards, which... It's a, a shockingly low yardage total for having that many penalties. But yeah, when most of them are just five yarders, uh, that'll kill you over the course of a game. And it certainly did for Carolina, you know, trying to mount a comeback late in this game. You know, I think they had like a, a second and five turn into a second and 15 at one point. And, you know, the Seattle defense was was kind of able to crank up the heat. But this was a, a really close game for for most of it. Like you said, you know, yardage totals were, were pretty equal yards per play uh, favored Seattle, but but not by a huge margin. Uh, you know, Seattle actually really struggled to, to finish drives too. three of 13 on third downs were the Seahawks. So to, to win a game by 10, when you're three of 13 on third down and the other team is 10 of 19 on third down, um, you know, I think there's a little bit of luck involved there, but uh, Seattle did have to settle for field goals 
on each of its first three scoring drives. You know, I think they could have opened up maybe a little bit more of a lead in that first half. But I think for the most part, you know, similar logic to Gardner Minshew stepping in for Anthony Richardson, like mm-hmm. you know, Bryce Young's your guy long-term. Nobody's questioning that. This is not a QB controversy, but Andy Dalton makes you a better team right now, right in, in this moment, week three of 2023 right. than Bryce Young. And I think we saw that. Even more so than uh, Minshew Richardson, I think. Yeah. Richardson arguably offers such a different running dimension that you, you could argue against it. I don't think that's ar- arguable in the case of the Panthers. Um, I, I think that the way Bryce Young was struggling to get away from the pressure, struggling to uh, have pocket awareness was an issue. Now, Dalton got sacked three times in his own right. He, there, there were all those false starts. But let's face it, Carolina's fa- – I mean, uh, Seattle's famous for inducing him. This was just an extreme mm-hmm. level of that – Honestly, I'm sure, you know, there's a sense of pride for Seattle fans and, you know, they're, they're all happy about that, about being able to draw the 12th man and all that. I know that's, that's a big thing there. I think it's cheesy. I, the whole, like, Ooh, we induced them into another false start. That's not football. That's just, I don't know. I hate that. I I can't stand that Mm -hmm. to be honest with you. Uh, yeah. I mean, being here in Wisconsin, uh, Seattle is almost like weirdly more of a rival than like Chicago You've or had Minnesota. Some weird games there. In yeah. Some ways, yeah. I mean, Seattle has been the thorn in the Packers side as much as anybody. I think the 49ers are on that list too. So yeah, I, I I've never been a huge fan of the, the 12th man mystique. I, I think the worst thing you could possibly wear as a fan is one of those like 12 jerseys with fan on the back. Uh, just can't take you seriously. If you've ever <laughs> worn owned one of those, uh, just as a, a slight aside there, but uh, yeah, I mean, uh, this is all of our three... tips for this episode. Yeah, by well, the way. Yeah, I'm yeah, not well. I'm not too worried about that. I, I, yeah. I'm in I'm in a bad place right now after this week. This was a nine point game with about nine minutes left. And three of those false starts happened over the course of basically two plays for yes. for the Carolina Panthers. They had a third and four at the Seattle 39 that turned into a third and nine that then turned into a third and 14 because they had back to back false starts. Uh, and, and then, you know, even on the punt, you get a false start. Uh, yeah. which is just not what you're looking for in that situation. So yeah, it, that, that it's hard to say that the game came down to eight false starts, but like they were, it really felt like almost all of them were like really impactful. Yeah. And, and, and to be fair too, like Seattle just kept on settling for field goals in the first half. I mean, this probably should have been a bigger disparity early on. Seattle moved the ball game. Kenneth Walker looks like the real deal. He was a guy that was sliding in, uh, in draft season because of yeah. his injuries in training camp. And because they draft, drafted Zach Charbonnet, uh, Charbonnet finally had his first meaningful impact this season. So uh, nine for forty-six kind of closed out the game, mm-hmm. looked good. But Walker looks great. Uh, DK Metcalf six for one twelve, uh, despite playing through a painful rib injury. You know, honestly, you know, you want to see eighteen targets for him, but he's he's playing hurt, so you understand. Yeah. Just would have been nice if he would have scored instead of Jake Bobo. He, uh, he was so close to breaking one too. He had a, a catch over the middle where he broke, it was kind of a Debo Samuel type of play where he broke yep. a couple and just kind of, kind of got tripped up just at the end, but he was one tackle away from ripping off. what would have been a long touchdown. Saw a lot of Adam Thielen. Yeah. I was just going to mention him. Yep. 11 for 145 and a touchdown for Thielen. DJ Chark had a long score. He goes four for 86, uh, five catches for Miles Sanders in the passing game. Pretty standard for him. Uh, Jonathan Mingo, also exited this game. I believe it was a concussion. So yes. something to monitor there. Yes. Uh, and just that, I think that led to Chark getting a lot more targets and Chark scored early too. But, uh, and you know, Mingo had six targets. He had usually been a little bit more active. I mean, they threw the ball 58 times. <laughs> There's a lot of targets to go around, right. but uh, Thielen, I mean, he looked great. He really looked good. Uh, held on and took a big hit on his touchdown and held on and was talking a little smack after uh, 
when it made it 37 27 it's yeah. like, okay um great uh but still he he looks good they, they the offensive line is terrible in carolina really? that is still going to be a, an ongoing problem whether it's dalton or young uh so we'll see i mean they they do get minnesota coming to town i mean if you want to talk about a situation where the carolina offense might get well this is it yeah, I was just going to say that. I mean, I, I think you now feel a heck of a lot more comfortable, you know, rolling Adam Adam Thielen out there next week. You know, if you're if you're running into some injuries at receiver, you know, and you know maybe Mingo doesn't play, you'd, you'd feel better about DJ Chark as well. Mm-hmm. Uh, that's that's the matchup you want. I think that's you know on the short list of you know two three best matchups you can have, especially for wide receivers. We like that for Miles Sanders as well. And you're not wrong about that Carolina offensive line. They they grade out uh, better than only Pittsburgh and the New York Giants so far, according to PFF. Yeah, and keep in mind the Giants were without Andrew Thomas against the Niners, no less, uh, on Thursday night. So uh, you could see uh, how, how they could grade out so poorly. Uh, another team that grades out so poorly, the Chicago Bears. And, you know, apparently Boy. Fields got hurt in this game and they let them keep playing. I mean, they're, it's just they're, – they're, where do you want to start in talking about all their problems? Uh, well, they're only three-point dogs against the Denver Broncos next week, so they got that going for them. Uh, you know, coming into this week when we were, you know, talking about it for staff picks, for pick'em league, for the circuit contest, all that, it, you, there's always carnage, right? When you have like four games with a spread of nine or higher, almost never do do all four of those teams, you know, win outright, uh, let alone cover those games. And you're trying to think like, okay, you know, where where could somebody get tripped up? Where could this be a tougher game than it looks? And you know, for some reason, I, I, I was kind of talking myself into this narrative that, like, I, I never entertained the thought of Kansas City losing, but the offense just hadn't looked good the first two weeks. And you, you're thinking, okay, like, you know, Kansas City, historically, they're not the team that piles up 50-plus points. You know, they kind of do what it takes to win. They, you know, they'll, they'll pull their guys late if they need to. And I, I thought they could win this game, you know, like 27 to 17. And mm-hmm. instead, it's 34 to nothing at the half. It's 41 to nothing early in the third quarter. And at that point, it was basically over. I mean, Mahomes uh, came up a little gimpy, looked like he got his ankle hit. Uh, yep. you know, in, in the second half, looks like that's not going right to be before half time. Yeah, right. oh, it was. Yeah, you're right. You're right. It was just before the half. Um, thankfully, that doesn't look like it's going to be a problem, but it was Blaine yeah. Gabbert the rest of the way. I mean, the Chiefs basically played like 2.4, uh, like real quarters in this game. So, like, fantasy wise, there's not a ton to take away there. Um, the Chicago side, it's just this game probably went about as expected, right? I think if yeah. you were a Bears fan, you were just hoping to see like any signs of competition, any signs of life, especially in the first half, you probably knew you were losing this game. Uh, the one good thing I guess you could say is that they did force the chiefs to punt on their first possession. Yay. Uh, there's a sequence right before halftime that just ended it. Um, DJ Moore drops a a well-thrown deep ball next play tip interception right after that, they score another touchdown. I mean, that pretty much encapsulated the bears day. I mean, it, it just, the guy you bring in to be feels is stabilizing force has the yeah. big mistake, and then after that, it's just ugly. Uh, the other positive you could take away, I guess, is Justin Fields ran more, 11 for 47. Uh, but when you're so bad in the passing game, it does not matter. Um, he, he He's extremely disturbing from a fantasy standpoint. He was a top-seven quarterback, and now I don't think he's a top-15 quarterback. Uh, I could give you a number on that. He is number 16 right now in terms of total fantasy points through three weeks. Um, And that is, you know, before Jalen Hurts plays tonight, uh, you know, Baker Mayfield as well, Matthew Stafford, those guys will will likely pass him in terms of total fantasy points. So he'll probably be closest to like the 18th to 20th fantasy quarterback right now. And I I think what's, what's difficult is that there's just 
like I, there's no real path out of this, right? Like obviously the yeah. Chiefs are a tough matchup, and it, it probably won't look quite this bad every single week. And you, you do get the Denver Broncos next week, and then the Commanders and the Vikings and the Raiders after that. So that's that's about as good of a four game stretch as it's going to get. So I. I don't know that now would be the time to give up on Justin Fields because I, I do think you have some pretty good matchups coming up. I, I wouldn't, I wouldn't necessarily want to dump in before the team that just gave up 70 24 hours ago, but yeah, it, it doesn't look good, man. And I, I don't think he looked any more confident. You know, he said, you know, kind of called out the coaching in, in a roundabout way this week. And I, the coaching to me looked about the same and he did run the ball 11 times, but they weren't really designed runs, at least from what I saw. Uh, they were mostly scrambles. Yeah, uh, they are. Um, and that's, uh, that, that's a concern. Um, yeah, Khalil Herbert lost a fumble. He made that that transition to Roshan Johnson might be complete after this. Yep. Eight for thirty-eight for Johnson, seven for thirty-one for Herbert. Uh, Johnson had two catches. Herbert two also. Uh, but you know, maybe maybe that means Foreman's active next week. Who knows? I don't know. But uh, uh, Herbert, I, I mean, I'm very depressed on his stock as well. Mm-hmm. I mean, I, I think you have to think uh, think that's the case there. Uh, so yeah, I, I yeah. People dropped fields last year and then he got better. The team didn't, and he still made mistakes. Even when he was a better fancy quarterback last year, he was still yeah. kind of a shaky real life quarterback. Uh, I think we forget that sometimes that uh, even when at the peak of his fantasy powers, he wasn't, they were still losing games and, and often because of his mistake. I mean, they had the number one pick for a reason and they yeah. might get the number one pick again. They also have Carolina's pick. Keep that in mind. That's another Oh, and three team right now. So I guess that's, that's probably the only real silver lining here is that, you know, you're starting to look at what that 2024 draft could end up being if you're Chicago. And I think you're gonna have a pretty good chance at two top five picks. Yeah, for sure. Um, All right, let's move on to the Sunday night game. Uh, I thought this was a game that wasn't as close as the score. Um, Although the Raiders made a game out of it late and then decided they didn't want to try to win. Are they, I don't, that, that was my takeaway going for that field goal was, just just a terrible, no good, awful decision. Well, going for it twice. That was the crazy part, right? It's yeah. like they, they had two opportunities at it. They get just that weird, I, I mean, that, that's like a once a year penalty, right? The guy like elevating himself off the defensive lineman. I mean, yeah. that, I didn't really love that call. I thought I thought there were some really questionable calls that went against Pittsburgh late in this game. The that previous was drive the, too, yep. Well, the, the Mega Fitzpatrick hit as well. I mean, it's like that one, you see that a few times a year. I, I get it. it. It looked worse in real time than it did. Uh, upon the replay, but even even some of the PIs, some of the defensive holdings throughout the night, I, I thought Pittsburgh really got the short end on those. But yeah, I mean, the Raiders had a chance here. I mean, you, you not only had a fourth and one at the 25, uh, that's when the, the the field goal initially you know came out. They end up getting the penalty. They're, they're gifted another set of downs. You get it down to the eight-yard line, fourth and four at that point, and you kick another field goal. And at that point, you know, a minute and a half had run off the clock between yeah. you know your fourth that's the down part that makes it worse yeah right yeah so to, to make that decision twice to me is is pretty wild um you know I, I believe they had maybe one timeout at the time i'd have to look back um and you know they they got the ball back but they got the ball back with 12 seconds left you know that's that's kind of the calculation that you're making like you you have to get you have to force a three and out immediately and mm-hmm. pittsburgh had that third and two and they ran the perfect play. They rolled Kenny Pickett out to the left. Allen Robinson was just wide open for basically a catch and get to the ground situation. Um, and, you know, when, when there's 12 seconds on the clock and they were pinned, you know, way deep. I think they were they had like, what, 70 yards uh, to the end zone at that point, maybe even longer. I think they were at the 15. Um, you're just not going to get anything going. So it, it actually ended up being worse for Jimmy Garoppolo because he throws a pick in a desperation situation, ends up with three interceptions. He's now up to six on the year. But that last one, you, you can't really fault him. You just got to get something there. Yeah, for sure. Uh, this game was billed, a, billed as the possible like running back get well game. 
both running backs, Najee Harris and Josh Jacobs were kind of meh. Yeah. Uh, Jalen Warren, you know, was rumored to be getting more reps th- than Harris this time. Didn't really work out that way. Uh, that, this was a kind of a frustrating fantasy game, too. I mean, if if you had George Pickens, yeah, okay, he got 75 yards, but no touchdowns, six targets only. Like, where's the beef? You want a little bit more than that. Calvin Austin had that 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 long play. Uh, and Frymuth had a touchdown as well, but it's just like, there wasn't a big fantasy game unless you had Devonte Adams, uh, yeah. in which case you're very happy. Yeah, I think this was a, a game that mirrored a lot of Las Vegas's games last year, right? Where it's, it's you know the, the camera pans over to the sideline as the time is running out, and Devonte Adams is sitting there. The, the Chiron shows 13 catches for 172 yards and two touchdowns, and he looks like he wants off the team because they're losing yet another game. I mean, he mm-hmm. Devonte's unreal, man. I mean, he was just winning like rep after rep after rep in this game. Uh, just caught everything, made some really, really tough catches. I actually thought, you know, the, the final line for Jimmy G is pretty ugly with the three picks. You know, one of those especially was just a, a terrible decision. But I, I thought considering how under pressure he was, I mean, the Steelers were just bringing guys on pretty much every passing down. Garoppolo had no time to throw. I actually thought he, he acquitted himself okay, given the circumstances. But it really helps when you have Devontae, who, I mean, it's, you know, I, I think it, Ju- Justin Jefferson, Devontae Adams, and Tyreek Hill right now, I think those are the big three. Those are the guys that that really, really feel like they truly impact the game more than anybody else. Yep, agreed. And I, I, I was a little down on Adams because of his quarterback play and maybe a little bit ageist. Um, and I, I, to my regret, I don't have any Adams yeah. so far this year. So, or I don't have them. I guess maybe I would, uh, you know, I, I could still trade for him, but it doesn't look like I'm going to be having that anywhere else there. So anyhow, let's take a few questions before we sign off here. Uh, Colby asked Kenneth Walker for chase and PPR. He's worried about Burrow. What say you, uh, if you're, you're in that situation there. Ooh, that's a good question. I, well, I mean, Kenneth Walker's RB three right now. He's been, he's been a little bit touchdown dependent. We do have to keep that in mind, but yep. Seattle's moving the ball. I think that offense is, is certainly rebounded from that just bizarre second half against the Rams in week one. I think you feel more confident about them. That's a pretty fair trade, right? I think, you know, we, we've yeah, talked on the, We've talked on the XM show quite a bit about like, you know, what, what can you get back for Jamar chase? And I've seen trades that have been more underwhelming than that. So I, I think if you, if, if you feel comfortable with that, if you, if you feel like, you know, Joe Burrow is not going to look like himself or not be out there for a good chunk of the season, then yeah, I, th- I think that's a fair deal. Yeah. I think so too. Zachary asked, would you trade Jerome Ford who we were talking about earlier as an RB two, maybe the rest of the way for Kirk cousins, Javante Williams and Matt Breida. He's got your he's current quarterback is Justin Fields. He's got that problem. His RBs are Jacob, Saquon, Ford, and Montgomery. A lot of injuries in that running back room right now, and one underachiever in Jacobs. Uh, I would. Would you do this deal? You're just giving up Ford, and you're getting Cousins, Williams, and Brita. Yeah, I, I would. I mean, I, I think Javante Williams and and Jerome Ford are like pretty similar to me going forward. And you know, yeah. with, with Ford, there's still the specter of Kareem Hunt, and what does that bring to this offense? Like. I, I think I would just I would take that side of it and, you know, really more, more so than anything. You, you want Kirk Cousins in this deal, which is crazy. Yeah, uh, I don't think it's crazy, but unless he gets traded to the Jets, then it might be yeah. crazy. Uh, Zach asks, would you trade away Cousins and Damian Pierce for Justice Hill and Mark Andrews? He already has hurts. Running back room is hurting. I don't if your running back room is hurting, I wouldn't trade away Pierce. Yeah, that's the thing. I mean, Pierce, obviously, he's healthy, which is one check mark in his favor but i mean the the upside doesn't really seem to be there yeah i don't know i mean i i getting mark andrews out of that i, I do like i mean if 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 the running back room is your issue then this doesn't really help you there uh but C- kirk cousins is a luxury piece for you I, I still think if you have jalen hurts 
you're probably starting him almost every week, right? Like you're not going to feel mm-hmm. good about ever leaving Jalen Hurts on your bench. So right. I, I think if it's just like best player available and you could get Mark Andrews, then then sure. I guess I guess that's the way that you just you're saying that your running back room is hurting and then you're trading away a running back that's a startable running back. That's the tricky part about yeah. that. So do, Gibbs asks, do I ship Josh Jacobs for De- 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 Devon Achan? And it's Achan, not Achan. It. I wouldn't do it quite yet. Okay. I no? think I, I think you'd be you'd just be buying so high on Achan. Obviously, you're selling low on Jacobs. It's I, I understand the logic. It's a fair question, especially with what we've seen from Jacobs the last two weeks. But I I, I just I, I think that that Miami game script is just so unique that you can't count on that. Like Achan is still the backup running back at best in Miami. You know. That's true. That's true. And they're playing the Bills next week. That's obviously going to be a much harder game. Really looking forward to that game. Huge, meaningful game. Yeah, uh, absolutely. All right, what else we got here? The Bible salesman asks, give hmm. Moss for Kittle. He's got Najoku and Henry already at tight end. Running backs are Mixon, Kyron, uh, Kyron Williams, Madison White. Plus, he also has JT on IR. Uh, I think I'd do that. I would. I would. I, I think you're probably selling high on Zach Moss, which is what you want to do in general on trades. Yep. I mean, he's looked really good. And the and the, the, the snap share to me is the biggest thing. It's like he doesn't even have to be that efficient if he's playing 80 to 90 percent of the snaps every week. But you also have some pretty good running backs here. Like If Kyron Williams hangs on the way that we think he can and should be able to. And you have Alexander Madison as your third option. It's like how many weeks are you really going to be no doubt starting Zach Moss anyway? Um, mm-hmm. So th- this is kind of similar to the Andrews question. It's like if you have a, if you have an opportunity to just get a talent like Kittle, for a guy who's ultimately somewhat of a luxury piece for you, I think you do it. All right. There you go. That's going to wrap it up for today's podcast. Thanks everybody for jumping in the chat room for questions. Uh, thanks for everybody listening after the fact. We appreciate you. Good luck uh, in week four. We got Jake and Joe tomorrow with free agent options. Make sure to tune in for that one. Thanks for listening. Take care. Tax day is coming. Oh no. But if you sign up for Robinhood Gold's IRA with a 3% match, you can get up to $195 for the 2023 tax year. Oh, yeah. Sign up at Robinhood.com slash boost by tax day to get the biggest contribution match on the market. Subscription fees apply. Investing involves risk. 3% match requires gold for one year from first match. Must keep IRA for five years. Robinhood Financial LLC member SIPC.